I watch film, but I'd be honest, I mean, when I first started watching film, I was just watching the game. Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at NFL on Twitter and of course follow the group at UK Packers and it's been a while but I'm joined by me old buddy, me old pal, it's at Polish Roots, Andy Davies. What's going on Andy? Hey, good to speak to you Steve, long time no speak. I know, yeah, it's been a while, we took a hiatus. Um, I don't know, I wasn't deliberately this long, it's just literally, it was my first Christmas with two kids and holy lord lamb of jesus did i not realize how busy it was gonna be like i'm taxi man taxi man uh up to her family back to my family back up to her family out to my family it was great busy great but dear god andy two kids on the go is ridiculous especially two under two i i understand why that's a phrase now two under two and irish twins is a thing and that's a phrase uh busy were you as busy because i've you know you've got the young man but the the older kids old enough for you to say you know sit down understand logic and be a good boy yeah it's just all over in a blink isn't it it sort of yeah. sneaks up on you sneaky fast and then before you know it gone the tree's down and we're all done with it so um yeah it's tiring isn't it mate i feel run down i feel like i've got no energy and christmas has sucked the life out of me <laughs> does it every year <laughs> Uh, the festive cheer of the new festive year. Festive cheer, yeah, uh, it's great. It? You feel like you, you feel like you need a holiday to get over the holiday. That's, but that's how I feel. Honestly, that's why I am right. And I just thought like, oh, maybe I'm burnt out or something. I start getting all concerned and stuff. But now that I know you feel that way, Andy, I feel okay yeah. again. And maybe other people listening, <laughs> we're all broke. You know, we're all tired, fed up. And as well as that, my job as well. The the busiest time of my job is the first three months. So I'm just putting this out here, right, to, to everybody listening. If you're a Russian oligarch. Um, if you're just an American millionaire, if you're just someone with an extra twenty quid in your pocket, if you want to hire me, hire me, and then put myself out. I put myself. I'm pimping myself out, Andy. Is basically what I'm doing here. Pimping myself out. If you want to hire me, get you know, move me into some sort of media role. Uh, you know, shift me sideways from the UK Packers, if you will, in a Ted Thompson esque <laughs> style move into something different. I, I'm just saying I'm open to it. Is all I'm saying. It's all I'm saying. We- we could throw in a two-for-one deal. That, that would be also sort of uh, out there. Becoming a tandem package. Yeah, like yeah the, absolutely, yeah. The ant and deck yeah. of, of sports media. <laughs> and yes, I'm the short one. I'll take it. So, Andy, New Year's resolutions. We see the Packers have coming up with some resolutions. They're going to have to be resolute when they're coming to hiring all these staff, which we're going to get onto in a second. But before we get onto the good stuff, we've got to hit some bad stuff. But before we do that, I want to pick your brain. What are you going to do differently this year, Andy? Is it is it all positive stuff? Are you going to hit the gym? <laughs> did you say gin or gym both um, you... <laughs> <laughs> it depends <laughs> it depends on what your ears going like already Jesus yeah yeah it's just a spelling mistake so yeah that was what it was yeah both yeah I think you're probably right on both counts um, mm. my sports look normally rolls in sort of cycles so when so when Green Bay aren't doing so well my um, my soccer team normally takes takes the sort of lead so I'm hoping that Shrewsbury Town can fill the mantle in the next sort of few months of my sporting hunger um, so that's what I'm hoping for this year yeah the success on the football front or the old soccer front in the old soccer yeah because that's the thing right and I've got a bone to pick up people who who bang on about like stop calling that soccer and laughing at people I actually watched soccer am before the show called soccer am which is the big English <laughs> Saturday show or whatever right I was watching that and they took the piss out of an American guy who called it soccer. And I'm saying it's literally the name of your show. Can you stop doing that, please? Uh, Yeah, my my resolutions are broken already. So I think I'm going to reset and I'm going to start on like the second week or something like that. Because I said I wouldn't swear. um, And then, you know, just stuff happens in the new year. You know, you're taken down the tree and it falls in your face. You know, there's certain stuff that's curse worthy. And I put curse words in amongst curse words. And my son now is picking up everything. Like he's repeating stuff on TV shows and he's under two. And that frightens the bejesus out of me because he'll hear... No, no, people are going to like, Jesus Christ, stop talking about your kids. No one cares. But it's like he'll hear a word that I said ages ago, like like a week ago, and he'll just repeat it at random. And that scares the life out of me. Like I showed him a book recently and we, from my recollection, we've never taught him about a barn or cows in a barn. And I opened the book and I said, ooh, what's this? I'm ready to teach him. And he goes, barn. And I was like, oh, that's frightening. <laughs> Thanks very much for that, son. <laughs> yeah, so definitely not swearing is one that I'm not going to do. But there was plenty of swearing in this Detroit game just gone. And let's get the demons. Let's get the elephant out of the room. The Detroit game, Andy. Uh, did you watch it all first off? Did you watch it at all because of the time it was on? And, you know, people are busy, busy lives. And when you did, if you did, or if after you watched it, I mean, did you get as angry as usual or was it just kind of like, Jesus, who cares right now? Who Just who cares anymore? 
I went through a sort of mixture of emotions, to be honest. I sort of went, I started off with the, I don't really care, um, mantra, I suppose. It's not a, a huge game in the in the annals of Green Bay Packers, is it? But um, as the game progressed, I think the one thing I can't tolerate in life is a lack of effort. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's where I got on. So it was on in the room, but I became as disinterested in the game as, as the Green Bay Packers were, to be honest. As, <laughs> as it, and that's how it sort of things, you know, it was almost a case of, um, well, if you can't be bothered, then I'm got to find something else to do while well, I, I should be watching NFL to be honest it was just uh, uh, I sound like a broken record but to watch Clinton Dix perform in a Green Bay Packers jersey like he did on against Detroit it's just embarrassing I just don't understand it I don't understand it from a sort of um, a sporting perspective you know if you play in any level of sports whether it's five a side or basketball or even if you're playing doubles and you know pairs in golf you demand more from the person standing next to you, don't you? So you, if you're playing five-a-side, you'll give your, you give your teammates a bit of a giddy-up. If you're playing golf, you'll say, come on, give your head a shake, you know, back in the game, it's next shot that counts. I don't see any of that from the, from the Green Bay Packers. You, so there's people that are not putting effort out there. And even McCarthy in the post-game presser alluded to the fact that he didn't see any of that. What what game are we watching? You know, what game are they watching? Cause it, and it's unfair, isn't it? Because some of the guys, you know, some of the people out there on the field were, were laying it all out, weren't they? Mike Daniels continues to give 100%. There was, you know, I thought that <clears throat> Martinez was, was again a, a star on defence. So, so I just don't understand the disparity between the effort. That's what got me. Um, just disappointing, really. Uh, a bad character sign, isn't it? You know, I always look for characters and you always look for a sign of character when things aren't going so well. Mm. So yeah, it's just disappointing for me. Yeah, and I think that that's really what stu- stood out to me. And I know we've mentioned it throughout the season on the podcast, but... We said, look, if we get to the, not the dance effectively, but if we, get to, if we call the playoffs the dance, let's say, if we get to the playoffs, you need those characters in there that are principled, uh, that never give up and that are going to push the team on. And we didn't have any of that. So we were a one and done team. I don't care what anybody says. Now, the, the sort of silver lining as I was thinking about it over the long hiatus was is that we're a seven and nine team. Uh, the draft selection has come out. The order has come out and we're going to pick 14th. Uh, we were tied with Washington. And it went into a number of scenarios. You know, the strength of schedule came into it and we had the same as them. And uh, did we play the same amount of teams, all this. But anyway, it washed out that we're 14th uh, pick in the draft route. So I was looking at that and I was looking, I said, you know, we're a pretty awful team this year. Massive defensive deficiencies. Uh, but we still ended up at 7-9. and nine. You know, do we do we look at that in some way that it's a positive that even when we're at our worst, we're only one win away, which we've, you know, were for some of those games. Like we, for instance, we were leading in the Saints game until the very end. Um, and that was with a, a second string quarterback. So, I mean, do we look at this and sort of say, even like, if you don't get me at my worst, you don't deserve it at my best. I mean, is, is it the case that... No, I'm the other way, Steve. No, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the total opposite end of it. We were three overtime games. So take them away. Let's say that we lose the three overtime games. That's four wins. And then you've got two other games that were decided by a total of eight points. So you're looking at eight points potentially away from a 2-14 and 14 season. Mm. That's where I am. Yeah. Uh, so you can dress it up, you know, all you want. I was 7-9 and nine and that's at our worst. We were very close to being a, you know, a bottom five NFL team this year. Mm. You know, the three overtime games are a toss of a coin. We've seen that enough over the, over the years. And then the two other games which were particularly close so yeah I think we've got a, a pretty empty bottom end of the roster that needs filling pretty quickly which is why I was you know pushing for a, a change at the very top yeah and uh, and again you'll ha- you'll have the purists out there who say if you get over the line you get over the line it's always on purpose because that's the aim of the game so if you win by three points you still win by three points and we've all seen it come down to like a field goal or whatever and it's interesting as well Andy like doing some analysis for some other stuff that I'm doing if you look at the likes of, you know, the Panthers and all the rest, I mean, five of their wins have came, you know, with it, it was less than a touchdown score was what they've won by. So ha- nearly half of their total for the season was short, you know, small score games. Um, and I don't know whether that's, you know, telling and character building when you look at a team. But certainly, you know what, I agree with you with the Packers because I think an awful lot of the team gave up and I don't know about you and I don't want to really strike too hard at the character of a man and tear a man down who has families and all this type of stuff right but I think if you're a sportsman you put yourself out there 
what kind of annoys me is is the lack of effort that you see on the field and then you see the likes of haha clinton dix on his instagram promoting an energy drink which i thought was a little bit ironic <laughs> <laughs> to be honest you know i was kind of thinking mm, you're not really drinking it uh, but it was kind of i looked at that and then a couple of things annoy me number one that he's promoting an energy drink and with this sort of goofy face on him there's you know this sort of like take the piss face on him that loads of people commented on her i'm not slagging off the guy's face he's like deliberately taking the piss um and then underneath it people are like oh you're the goat you're the best oh keep smashing it bro you're my idol you inspire me and i'm kind of thinking like i know today's generation want to do less and earn more and maybe that's how they're inspired is to do less and earn more when they look at uh, clinton dix this season who i always rated as a fantastic player now i don't know what went wrong with him whether it was he was given the comms helmet earlier in the season or he was certainly given, you know, the task of organising the defence and that seemed to really weigh on him. That's where we first noticed it, right, where he started to sort of dip. So I don't know what annoys me more, Andy. You know, I've seen the lack of effort on the field and then all of these endorsement deals outside it or the fans blindly saying he's a goat and he's this, that and the other. Um, is that relevant to his character, do you think, that, you know, they come up with all these endorsement deals and they really don't give a damn what goes on on the field, that they're more distracted by the whole you know, earning a book for showing a can of energy drink? I've said it on more than one occasion. I'm not quite sure what's going on there because when we drafted him, he was a player, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, part of a really useful safety tandem that we had back there. What's gone on this year is is a mystery. Now, is it a blip? Is there something more to it than we don't know? Um, I have no idea. But what we see on the field is, is what you get, isn't it? And he fails the eye test on every every given week this year for me. Uh, and no more so than on Sunday. I mean, even the um, the Sky broadcasting team commented on it, didn't they? So I think they clipped to a sort of uh, the, the Kenny Galladay touchdown. And uh, I'm not quite sure that could be classed as a tackle attempt. It was just a, a wave of the arm, wasn't it? And it's, yeah. it's just embarrassing, isn't it? You know, to, put, to go on sort of national TV and embarrass yourself like that. You talked about sort of family and friends, and I'm pretty sure that you want to represent them fairly each and every week don't you again we don't know do we maybe he's carrying an injury a bit like Randall in previous years we just don't know do we but there's something there that's not befitting of an NFL starting safety and we need to find out what it is and either fix it or move on if it was me and there was no other factors involved in that I'd have benched him I'd have benched him based on his effort alone nothing to do with sort of overall performance just based on effort alone you cannot allow players to, to sort of tank it or to give 50% effort and then demand the respect and, and loyalty from the rest of your team. You just couldn't. Because if I saw it and I was on the field and somebody else wasn't giving it all but was going to get left on the pitch regardless, then, um, yeah, I'd take it to heart. I'd have something to say about that. It's just not right. And so I kind of wanted to go on and look at the good news stuff of what's came out of this week. I mean, Devontae Adams is out of concussion protocol and he got a brand new deal Everyone seems yep. happy. You know, Aaron Rodgers comes out and says that he's happy about it. Uh, Corey Lindsley, they finally played a, paid a centre, Andy. Uh, the, two igni- the two of these significant uh, to you? I mean, one deal obviously is bigger than the other. But we've said for weeks now, haven't we, that Devontae Adams is the yeah, de facto yeah. number one wide receiver and is the future of, of the wide receiver core in Green Bay. No, please for him. He deserves it. He's worked really hard, hasn't he, from a, from a difficult first two years in Green Bay. The guy worked his socks off and deserves every cent because he's become... You know, a top five NFL receiver now, isn't he? He's, he's got the lot. He's got great hands. He, he's got great route running ability. He's worked at his craft. Um, so I admire him for that. You know, he's, he's been resilient. Uh, he's been prepared to work, hasn't he? And he's uh, he's gained the trust of Aaron Rodgers, which is a, the all-important thing, isn't it? Um, so well-deserved. Um, does a lot of dollars at the wide receiver position now, isn't it? So we're going to see how that sort of plays out in the off-season with Randall Cobb and um, Jordy Nelson. But I would imagine that there needs to be some negotiating done there. So, um, and in regards to Corey Lindsay, yeah, we're probably paying a centre a year too late. In my eyes, we've paid him 25 million. Um, JC Tretter signed for 16 million with the Browns, didn't he? So that's a 10 million dollar difference. Uh, for me, there's not a 10 million dollar difference in performance. And if you were going to ask me on a level playing field, who would I rather have? I'd rather have the guy that's suiting up for the Browns. Just based on the fact that he's a, he's a bit more athletic, um, he snaps the ball with a little bit more zing. And somebody asked me on social media, what, what, what does that, difference does that make? I just hate the fact that every time we go shotgun, that Aaron Rodgers is picking the ball up off his laces. Yeah. And I know that doesn't sound like a big deal to, to most people, but when you're playing QB, it makes a big difference because it takes your eyes away from what's important, which is the defence. And, I, and, I, and I'm not sure that... I'm surprised that Ari Rod hasn't sort of 
made more of a deal of it to be honest but it's uh, if you ever watch the tape it's been there for probably the last two years and something that we need to work on i think yeah it is a strange one and i think it's only compensated by the fact of how good aaron Rodgers is but i think on a lesser quarterback that would have an even bigger impact it is odd like jc treader and lindsley were kind of interchangeable when they were in green bay and obviously they couldn't pay treader and let him go um but yeah i think you're right uh it's a bit of an odd one of course it was all of the you know character building stuff that when Lindsley got injured and when Treader got injured that both of them kind of supported the other guy and waited in the wings for a couple of years then got in and, and all of that kind of gear but yeah it's a, it's a lot yeah. of cash especially for someone as you said who you know you, not that I'm not going to be that guy who says oh well it's a, it's, the job has a limited skill set no it doesn't you know but I just <laughs> think that one of them is obviously snapping the ball having a good snap and as trivial as that sounds as you said it takes your eyes away from the field and you know, with the quickness that Aaron Rodgers to get the ball out of his hands and then sometimes, obviously, the non-quickness that he get the ball out of his hands. But still, you want to give him the option to be able to zing that pass out nice and quick. And if he's picking it up off his boots, uh, that's something else. Devontae Adams definitely deserved. The guy's a beast. 58 million over four years. Um, You know, been dogged with concussions and I didn't like the way, and maybe it's valid, but I just thought it was a bit tasteless that when it came out about Devontae's contract, you know some of the first comments that i saw was like oh there better be a concussion clause in there and um, which maybe oh, really yeah and i was like maybe warranted but jesus let the guy breathe let his con like let him open the bottle of champagne first before dogging him over his past injuries yeah, and, yeah. And, and the thing as well andy is like this guy got creased on two really bad dirty tackles in my opinion um with trevathan you know trying to rip his head off um and coming out to him not a dirty player and then it happening again with a blind side a bit hit i mean i don't think that's I don't think you can call someone prone to concussions when they're only going to effectively headhunted. I think he's done well to get up from both. Um, they were yeah. both pretty vicious hits in terms of today's NFL, weren't they? And um, both highly illegal and both deserved of far more than one game bans, respectively. So he's yeah. done well to get up and uh, I'm sure he'll go and have a fine career with the Packers. Yeah, and if anything, he should uh, get paid more money because, I mean, he got hit and he came out of that concussion protocol quicker than I've seen anybody come out. What was he playing the next week? Um, after the one that he was carted off the hospital and then with this one I mean he's out of it now um, so had we made the playoffs which is a bit of a boo-boo word here on the UK Packers podcast now um, but look he's a talent even in the year that he was struggling you know they they kept asking him and, the, and of course this is why the players don't like the media is because they, they hound him in the locker room about like oh why, 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 are you, why are you so bad I mean why are you crap what's going on you know <laughs> it's kind of like Jesus Christ can you leave me alone um, so he was coming out and he was still confident in his own ability and that's what I liked about him. He was confident in what he could do yeah. all that time. And as you said, he's worked on his craft. His footwork, I think, is some of the best in the NFL. Uh, the way he's, he's shifty, the way he moves his feet. And th- I think that's the strength of his game. And that sort of proves why he struggled so much when he had that ankle injury. Was because, yeah. you know, he needed his legs. He needed to be able to cut and, and everything yeah. else. And, and he couldn't do it at the time. So, I mean, he's, You could he, see that as well, couldn't yeah. you? And I think when he came out of college, he was very comparable to the guy Matthews that was uh, originally in Philly and then moved across to Buffalo. Yeah. And if you look at where the, the two are now, uh, you know, you can see that Adams has, you know, improved at a rate of knots. So, whereas Matthews has been hindered by injuries. So, you know, fair play to the guy. He's, um, he's really improved. And one thing that stands out with... Devontae Adams is and I know people said oh well Brett Hundley had the chemistry with Devontae Adams I don't particularly believe it because you know Brett Hundley even said himself he got limited snaps with the first team offense Devontae Adams it's not as if he was exactly a practice squad player so to, to get that chemistry takes years that we've seen between Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson I just believe that obviously Huntley trusted him and that was probably his first read also Devontae Adams was able to get open that's another thing you know down to that footwork and and again you can trust his hands so I think that's a factor as well but for him to excel Andy in a team that struggled elsewhere you know like we've seen Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb's production just fall off a cliff when Brett Hundley uh, was in the game and that's obvious and it's expected I suppose but Devontae Adams still really put it up to teams and I think that's important. So when you look at the season as a whole now, and we don't really want to do our end of show show show, if you want to use an <laughs> and the deck sort of phrase here. You know, we don't want to do that yet. I, I think we'll leave that maybe for next week. But as a whole then, when you look at this season, what's the main takeaways for you out of this? Um, it was just a, the season of drop-off, wasn't it? So I think that going into the first game of the season and then you watch the way the defence performed against Seattle, but little did we know at that point Seattle's offensive line was so bad and their offence as a whole was so bad that it was became a season of sort of 
great expectations. Particularly for me, I thought that on paper, when you looked at, we had less holes than a lot of the teams in the NFC in particular. But it became, obviously, once the Rodgers went down, the expectations readily dropped from highly expectant to, to no expectancy. And I guess that's the point where you enjoy it less. So I've probably enjoyed this season a, a lot less than I have for probably sort of... And it's not just about the winning. I was thinking about this when we were watching the Detroit game. I, I used to watch games when Green Bay were, were really bad in the 80s and I still used to enjoy the game yeah. because within that there was individual performances and sort of glimmers of hope for the following season. You look at the young guys in particular and you're thinking, what have we got? What pieces have we got in place? Um, and I've enjoyed this season probably less as the season's gone on for, for a variety of reasons. There were some... Um, strange organisational decisions that have been made during the course of the season. Some of the stuff that we've added through free agency and sort of has been, I was just sort of trying to compare it. So, you know, New England have gone to, to James Harrison and we, we brought in, you know, guys like Yorick John, you know, no disrespect to any of the guys, but it's just the, the level at which we operate was, was disappointing. Where other teams in the NFL seem to be more proactive around finding a way to win, regardless of injuries. We seem to use that as a, a benchmark and a bit of an excuse at the minute. And if you think back to guys of 96 or even 2010, injuries were big parts of those seasons as well. But it was yeah. about how we, we reacted, do you know what I mean? It was about how we filled those holes and and changed the dynamics of a team to, to get to the same sort of goal. And we haven't seemed to be able to sort of cope with that the last couple of years. And that, for me, is a big reason why we're not, you know, in the playoffs this year. And ultimately, the season turned out to be such a damp squid. I just... Uh, just the enjoyment, you know, that was a that was a thing. It didn't feel like we were all pulling in the same direction. And when, when you've got that, I think that as a fan, you lose that affinity a little bit, don't you? You lose that sort of, I don't know, the closeness that you need as a team and a fan. You need that sort of affinity and that sort of closeness. And I just didn't feel that this year was as, as high. And I guess the litmus test for that for me would be the atmosphere at Lambeau Field. Uh, for most years that I've watched Green Bay, the atmosphere has always been terrific. And you always get a sense of it's a real home field advantage. And I know we lost games, so you take a bit of the edge off. But it felt for me that this year that that it wasn't there. And I think that's part of the reason for me. So, yeah, a bit of an anticlimax. I think it sort of peaked at week one and went downhill from there, really. <laughs> yeah, you? true, yeah. And it sort of struck me. And we know when Aaron Rodgers goes down that the Packers struggle. But like you said, there was no, there doesn't seem to be a fight in the rest of the team, you know. And that's kind of yeah. what bothered me, I think. You know, the Martellus Bennett just left a bit of a stink on the season as well. And just to see the character of the man that he bailed when stuff went bad in Green Bay, that he only wanted to catch passes from whatever, showing that he wasn't a true team player, wasn't a true Packer player. No. You know, and not, not that I thought he was effectively, not that I thought he'd come over from the Patriots and from the Bears and from, you know, the other squads he was with after smushing people into the ground and think that he was, you know, that he was really going to wear Don the uniform and go around kissing the crest, you know, but. That kind of just left a bit of a stink on it for me. I, I thought him and, and Kendricks, you know, were a good one-two punch. I thought Richard Rogers might come on or, or was this the reason that he gets completely squeezed out? And then they were kind of non-factor, so that wasn't really a factor at all. Uh, so that was odd as well, even when Aaron Rodgers was playing. And then just to see us go from Super Bowl favourites, and yes, all the people that uh, are saying, oh, Super Bowl favourites was a bit uh, much. We actually were. Um, you know, we're Super Bowl favourites at the start of the season. Uh, after a couple of games and that just fallen off into oblivion after Aaron Rodgers went down that we couldn't even really stay that competitive that kind of annoyed me and then just a lack of effort and you know I have to mirror your sentiments and I was just about to say it actually before you mentioned the 80s and I was going to ask you about it but I feel the same like anybody out there who's comparing this to the 80s and saying oh well we suffered this in the 80s and we still supported the team blah 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 this is different I mean you know this this roster is loaded with the talent that we thought would bring us to the Super Bowl albeit we don't have Aaron Rodgers and yes some players rotated in and out based on injury however you know this is a squad that people deem to be Super Bowl caliber and it's gone from that minus Aaron Rodgers to just being the basement almost of the NFC North and that kind of annoyed me because it's not the 80s and it's not a team that is you know no talent it has talent or at least we're told that's what it is and we're paying people like they have talent you know and that that's kind of what bothered me about it and I just left a bit of a a bit of a stink on it and by the end of the season and I know we only have 16 games and I know Andy like we do this stuff and especially with you know running the UK Packers and, and meeting fans and, and getting stuff doing in the in the background you know this is takes up a lot of time 
And even I found myself looking at games going, what even is this? You know, and <laughs> I, I felt bad, right? Because, you know, we only have 16 games. And I know you might go, well, we have more if you reach the playoffs. We didn't do that this year. And it's just, I was looking at it going, I mean, it really did take the take the enjoyment out of it. And this is my sort of question. And I know you raised it. And it really struck me then as the season went on that something's not right in Green Bay. Something just isn't right. And whether that's just on the defensive side of the ball, and Mike McCarthy came out and said that, that sort of negativity, he wants to get rid of that sort of, you know, cycle of negativity. Is that what we're seeing with letting Dom Capers go, you know, the linebackers coach, defensive line coach? Or is that what we're seeing? Is that a clear out of the problem? Is our problem bigger than that? Does it sit with the players being put in a position to play but not actually making the plays, Andy? You know, because we, we saw this narrative in, especially... I can't remember what source I was reading it on, but that capers would be there was de- someone said what was it? There was definitely a couple of tears when you know McCarthy would have been talking to capers and having to let him go. Like, is that true? Are we sort of chopping off the rot by doing this? I don't think that the chopping off is finished yet, is it? So maybe we'll we'll sort of maybe sit back in a couple of weeks and decide if we've taken enough sort of pruning off the tree um you're right what you say there's something definitely amiss or has been amiss um and i think murphy's done the right thing by making the moves that he's made and i also think that you know mccarthy's began to make the right sort of moves that that he needs to make because otherwise if he didn't do that i think that the lights would shine heavily on both mccarthy regardless of the extension that he's received and ultimately mark murphy because questions have got to be asked, you know, ultimately it's the product on the pitch that, that pays the bills, isn't it? And, um, the, the product that on the pitch on the field this year has been, um, not of a first class one. And, and so changes need to be made. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know what it is. I, I have no idea. Um, you know, I wish I was a sort of fly on the wall at, at 1265 Lombardi Avenue just to find out what it was, but it's, um, we'll certainly find out at the beginning of next year because that's when the, We'll see whatever the new program puts into into sort of uh, into action. I, I don't know. Uh, I have no idea. I've, it's been bizarre, hasn't it? It just seems to be something missing, something not quite right, something not quite sort of clicking from the top down, and uh, that's unusual for, for the Green Bay Packers, isn't it? And um, I hope it's a one-off. I hope it's a blip. Hopefully, whatever mix of coaches and players that we put together next year of 2018 is far supersedes the, the sort of mix we put together for 2017 they looked like a miserable bunch didn't they did you not think that as well I used to look <laughs> at the, the sideline and look at the, the, the defensive line coach that's now left that we can't pronounce his name yeah. Trigger Colin Trigg that guy needs to laugh a little bit more um, and you look along the, the sort of sideline and, and I know it's easy to to point fingers when things aren't going so well and it's difficult to smile but sometimes you need a bit of a uh, joviality to to get things started don't you to keep yeah. that team spirit off and it just didn't seem to go great from them you know they always do that sort of um off the wall sort of activity session during the mm. pre-season just yeah. to try and break up the monotony of the off season and um by all accounts that didn't go particularly well and and so that just sort of starts the, the ball rolling doesn't it i think you have to come together each and every year there's a 25 to 30 percent turnover on your roster every year and Sometimes it works, I guess, and sometimes it doesn't. And for this for this reason, it, it, it hasn't. There's been a lot of um, stuff, hasn't there, in the last sort of week or so around um, some of the sort of season pros pointing fingers, not pointing fingers, but sort of intimating that it's difficult to play with rookies and first-year players. Um, I'm not sure how sort of true that is. Other teams seem to be managing perfectly fine. New Orleans seem to be doing okay with the rookies that they brought in. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Los Angeles Rams seem to be doing okay with the rookies that they brought in. So... Uh, I'm not a believer that that feels to me like people are passing the book uh, and that just goes back to culture doesn't it that you've got this there's some characters in the in the dressing room I would like to see sort of you know either removed or sort of held to account um, and that, let's just see what happens let's just see what happens but it's just it's not it's not been a concoction that's worked this year that's for sure but do you know what it's one of those things where people pray for it and wish for it and you know people were calling for Dom Capers to go for so long and saying, oh, well, it's four years too late, you know, and all this stuff, right? And that might be true. But I think we're at a position now, right, where Dom Capers is now definitely gone, uh, out the door. Has his P45, is going to be watching from the couch. You know, whether he retires or doesn't retire, who knows? And effectively in Pac Nation, who cares at this stage? He's gone. I, I wish and- he had retired. I wish he'd been given the opportunity uh, and, and 
he's a good football guy. I, I was frustrated as everybody else. But ultimately, the, the witch hunt that sort of preceded the last few weeks has been out of order. And the guy, you know, he, he, I wish he just sort of just said, right, that's enough for me. I've had a great career. Um, I'm going to sort of go out on my sword and, you know, his legacy will live on. I think that's not tarnished. But I think that the way it sort of panned out was disappointing for me. I'd like to see him go out on his own terms. Yeah, same. Um, I didn't like the, the like I mentioned it before, Andy, this petition that was going around. I mean, stop. Yeah, it's know, rubbish, I, rubbish. Yeah, it's I mean, I asked Santa. I mean, I, I asked my letter to Santa. <laughs> did say, can I have a new DC? So, I mean, you know, hats off to Santa Claus because that guy he acted pretty quickly because I did ask for a new GM as well. So um, he, he's done a great job with that. But um, it doesn't mean that it's anything personal in it. You know, it doesn't diminish the legacy of either Thompson or capers just because you feel that they need to change it's just the way we are and um yeah just wish he could have gone out on his own sword really but there you go well look it's no coincidence that you don't see santa until one day of the year however we have seen a suspiciously bearded man getting his beard rubbed by aaron Rodgers on the sideline uh, quite recently enough so i you know put two and two together santa probably is on the payroll for the packers but did, <laughs> so we expected um capers to a degree right now other people said that they definitely didn't expect it that they expect him to to go for another year for whatever reason and i think that's important right is that you get rid of your defensive coordinator you want to do it in a year where there's other defensive coordinators that are uh, i don't know maybe coming out of semi-retirement themselves you don't particularly want someone who's been fired you want to be able to effectively poach a, a defensive coordinator to a degree um from from somewhere um but i don't know is the shocking part for you the fact that they did let scott mccurley go i mean this is a guy who joined the packers in 2006 along with mike mccarthy you know he was hired as an intern he would have been quite young at the time and he worked his way up in the organization but you know with him working with the likes of blake martinez and we've seen how he's come along you know how much can you attribute martinez's development to McCurley and then our good old buddy old pal Trigg came in in 2009 as, and has been the D-line coach since then you know and he's seen Mike Daniels be dominant he's Kenny Clark who's been quite young but been quite dominant I, I don't know Andy like how much can you put that down to the coach and how much that the natural ability of the player to thrive in in that atmosphere yeah it's difficult isn't it I mean Trigg's had you know seven eight years to to prove his worth with various defensive lineman hasn't he he's an old school coach um he's a he's a miserable sob isn't he you know he's proper proper old school so um i think it was time for a change there and particularly if we go to a four-man front as well that maybe plays into some of that thinking there mccurley's an odd one for me i I don't know a lot about him so it's unfair of me to to sort of call upon i think it's also unfair to say well blake martinez has a good season so is that down mccurley we don't know that we don't know who's tutored him you don't know you know what work's gone on behind the scenes with all that so yes he's his position coach so there's going to be some input there but we're not we're not party to the communication that goes on there you know that there'll be an end of season review that's been conducted and i guess that's he's just he's come out in the wash that he's he's not fit i also think there might be something around you know realignment of some of the people within the existing staff as well i think there'll be more sort of uh, changes to be made before it all pans out as well so yeah. I don't think it'll just be those three guys that uh, either change position or, or leave the organisation altogether. Because there was questions, because there's a couple of stuff floating around in the media that Mark Murphy had a press conference today and he had to come out and kind of scupper all of this stuff. Like one of them was is that the board of directors, and we'll get on to this topic in a second with Ted Thompson, right? Which is another one that I know people out there want us to talk about. You know, did the board ask him to let Ted Thompson go? They asked him, you know, is Mike McCarthy going to hire? A, I think they, I don't know how they phrase it, but kind of like a proper offensive coordinator is actually going to call the plays. You know, there's this rumor that Edgar Bennett's going to be demoted if that's how he sees it, or maybe that's what he wants. I really hate, spe- this is what I hate. This, do you know what? Like, this podcast is tricky because I hate speculating on internal people yeah. who the only thing that we know is from either you know media insiders let's call them people who actually have their finger on the pulse or just some balls that someone wrote in some article because they think that they know somebody yeah. kind of like a gossip column and that's that's what i hate you know but what i would say this... though steve yeah. what i would say though steve is that the people that within the organization have had their opportunities so whether you're in a meeting room for seven days a week for the entire 16 weeks of the season whether it's based on the off season whether it's conversations or whatever they have had their opportunity to to state their case. So in the likes of Edgar Bennett, who was a, a hero of mine growing up, you know, uh, with the Packers as a running back, or whether it's 
with the likes of McCurley, they have had their opportunity. So we can only assume that the, the, the talent evaluators within the organisation have seen their best shot. They have had their window of opportunity, haven't they? So I, I'm comfortable with any decisions that they've made in terms of internal coaches. I, I really am. I, I trust that the, the brainchild will get that one right. Yeah. And, and it, it means that we need to bring an external offensive coordinator in as well as a defensive coordinator. Then Yeah, I'm all for that because I do think that McCarthy is a better leader of men than he is leading an offence. I think most of the frustrations that some of the Packer faithful have with McCarthy is based around his play calling. But I think he's an excellent leader of men and I think he runs a good ship. But I just think he needs some freshness both on the defensive side of the ball, which is why I would go for youth, um, rather than some of the sort of more familiar names like Zafangio that are being banded around. Mm. But I also think he could do with some injection of freshness of um, offensive, you know, talent as well um, from a from a sort of game planning perspective. Because yeah. it just helps to have more than one voice um, plus A-Rods in the meeting rooms, isn't it? So I would like to see the likes of James Betcher and Paul Gunter considered. I, I have a a feeling that they'll probably both be long gone, but those would be my two choices if I had the chance. I also think that Darren Perry might get a look from from internally, uh, and we might change it up that way. And if that means that's a way to get Charles Woodson on our coaching staff, then all the better. <laughs> yeah, that's another interesting one that's been bantied around is that Woodson's going to have some sort of role um, in the organisation, which, you know, from an Irish perspective, we've seen the likes of, and I don't know how comparative it is, but Roy Keane, fantastic player, absolutely god-awful coach. You know, maybe he's got better as an assistant with Ireland. I don't think so because he tries to murder every uh, linesman that he stands beside <laughs> just with his eyes. So great, I, isn't he? Yeah, he's brilliant. Uh, but I just, I don't know how much that works, how much you can translate. Because some of these players are just, like, have this God-given talent, if that's what you want to call it. And it's very hard to coach if you've been given the God-given talent and measurables when you didn't have to... Now, I'm not saying this is the case for Charles Wilson, but when you didn't have to effectively grind... Like, look at Leroy Butler, right? He was, this guy was born and he had to walk in braces as a kid. He overcame adversity and he was a natural leader and all of this type of stuff. So I'm not applying that to these players, but I'm just saying it's not always the case that a good player... No, it's, yeah, no. Cool. but I think we can clearly see with Charles Woodson, though, he was a great communicator. Yeah. I think that one of the best after game speeches I have ever seen in all walks of sport was, was Charles Woodson's after the uh, NFC championship game, wasn't it? You yeah. know, I could watch that over a hundred times. So I think it's clear that he, he commanded with respect once he got his head switched on. Cause he, when he initially arrived, he was a little bit, um, he was a little bit playboyish, wasn't he? In terms of his diva attitude. But once he got his head got screwed on, he was, he was inspirational, wasn't he? Mm. You know, I think, and he was an effective communicator and a leader and that's what we need both off the field and on the field so the more people we can add of that quality and then the better for me yeah and of course this is a guy who changed position later in his career so he's you know absolutely with him being sort of a coach he can certainly talk to the older players about how to make that transition to the younger players who were in that position that he yeah. didn't necessarily play at that age and, and be able to relate um oh. certainly and we uh, need to rediscover the um turnover bug as well don't we we need to, yeah. to find that from somewhere you know we're talking 2010, probably the last time where we had a, a ball hawking defense with the likes of Nick Collins and Charles Woodson and Jerome Williams. Those are the guys that ultimately won the Super Bowl, aren't they? Because you know the, <clears throat> the 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 playoff run, if you like. You think about Atlanta and Williams. If you think about Philadelphia, Williams again. You think about Super Bowl with Collins, Woodson, year after year. Those are the guys that made the difference, and we need to find that from somewhere with the, with the young guys at King and. Randall and Jones. So I was about to say, Demarius Randall is listening, and he just spat out his peppermint tea. Just at the fact that you're not classing him as in this, you know, he's come down with some ints this season. But yeah, no. In all seriousness, uh, we need to try get that form. And that's one thing, in fairness, to Dom Capers that he used to always bang on about is that differential. You know, is that can you come down with more interceptions than the opposing team? If you can, you win the game. Um, but look, it's it's very hard to speculate on candidates, especially when we don't know the ins and outs. But. I, I'd be inclined to agree with you, you know, now it doesn't always work that within an organization, I think we've all worked in organizations in the past, obviously the organizations that we both work for now, Andy, are flawless, uh, but the ones we've worked with in the past, uh, we've always seen that one person where you look at them and go, how the hell did you end up in that job? <laughs> so um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it all pans out. But yeah, this all this rumors about Edgar Bennett maybe being demoted to wide receivers coach and putting somebody else in as offensive coordinator, McCarthy taking a step back. Mark Murphy came out in his presser 
and basically said that that's the job of uh, the head coach. That's his prerogative if that's what he wants to do. Um, he also came out and said that, you know, this change in GM will have no impact on the defensive coordinator search. It's not as if they're going to delay it and get the GM's point of view is kind of what I took from that. Yes. And, and there was a lot of interesting stuff actually to come out of that. And I, I, I like Mark Murphy, famously a friend of the podcast. I've had him on before, had a chat with him. Uh, very nice guy. Great to give his time. Uh, met him in Green Bay. He was equally as approachable. Um, and he's chatting away and he was going around the, the locker room, you know, giving a tour to his family. And I think he had his granddaughter on his shoulders or something. I just, I re- it just seems like a nice guy. And his second name is Murphy. So, you know, he's red hair. So I'm a fan. <laughs> um, so I, I like the guy, but I like the way he came out and they, they said, uh, one of the reporters, I don't know who it was, said, you know, but your next GM was a non-important that they actually communicate with the media and the fans. Is that not part of it to keep the communication open? And he said, well, look, the new guy can't be any worse than what Ted was. And I just like the fact that he was able to take the piss a little bit um, of yeah, Ted. Yeah. But I don't know, Andy, and I know we talked about this a little bit pre-prod, and I know you can sort of tread on, on very dangerous waters when you talk about certain topics, right? But uh, something that really struck me about the presser with Mark Murphy was is that his interests as the president is the Packers organization. That's period, right? Uh, one thing was is he was talking about getting you know an outside guy to look at, uh, basically a recruitment agent for, for GMs. Uh, someone who's experienced in the game to go out and help him with the search and all this. But the the main thing that kind of kept sticking out to me was with all of that in mind that we have internal candidates, which we can talk about, that he's going to still look externally because he wants the very best candidate. Like when it come, came down to the decision and he kept getting pressed on, like, did you do it? Did you tell him this? You're in a scouting position now. You're <laughs> not the general manager. He kept saying, oh, well, we discussed it together, you know, and we decided. And, and, and he kept saying oh, well, it's best for Ted, you know, it's brilliant for Ted and also the organization. And I was thinking, mm, should that not come first? You know, and that that's kind of what struck me about it. Why why did he do it? Like, why was, am I reading too much into it first off? But if not, if he is trying to put out there that he really cared for Ted, I mean, why why be so sensitive to Ted? Now, I know he's been with the organization 13 years and as much as people give out about him because and again I've, not, I've been rambling on it for about 20 minutes at least and I will let you speak in a second he said he was a lightning rod for the fans so he understood the fact that fans used to be annoyed with the draft and develop thing why was he so sensitive then about the whole shift sideways instead of just coming out and saying yes I said this he said that he moved aside and that's how we go on instead of saying it's for Ted's best interests it's about respect isn't it he's earned the respect doesn't he so as, as frustrated as we've all been with draft and develop to a degree for me it was more around um, getting the draft a little bit wrong if I'm honest over the last sort of three or four years but mm-hmm. also his lack of fluency in the free agency market you know the, the amount of hits versus misses was uh, was disparative and, and probably a big reason why we, we are where we are at the minute and I think that um, ultimately it's a good move for, for Ted Thompson in terms of what he enjoys doing but also his health, and we'll sort of come back to that in a minute. I think it's good for the franchise. I think it's it provides an excellent opportunity for the internal candidates we're going to talk about. Uh, and it was done the right way. It was done with respect and dignity, and um, it, it's it's what I fully expected when we talked about it back in November. Um, I talked about it last week. I fully expected the Packers to go in this direction, and it's just been in the melting pot for, for far too long. It's been done in the right way. Um, by moving him to the side, everyone sort of remains friends. There's a huge element of dignity, and um, that's the way that Thompson, whether you like him or not, has always conducted his affairs with dignity and respect. So, um, but we live in a different world now to when he when he started off on his sort of GM journey, and um, you know the the world of social media is part of the NFL, like it or not. Um, you know, communication with the press, the TV, the social media side of it communicating even with players now is, is a different mode of communication and I'm not sure that he ever enjoyed that side of it and then you know Mark Murphy alluded to it in his press conference didn't he and um, it's just it just feels feels to me like the right thing to do it feels like the right time to do it and um, yeah all the best to everybody concerned to be honest and let the search begin yeah and I mean that's something that really annoys me as well is the way there's certain jobs out there that people get and then they moan about having to do one element of it as if oh, i got a job's great apart from having to do this and you're like no that is the job you know so if you're a famous yeah. athlete 
I don't know why I put a TH on the end. I'm very conscious of the fact that I'm Irish. Um, if you're a famous athlete, um, you have to put up... Now, I don't agree with this particularly. You have to put up with the stick from fans. That's kind of natural. If you put yourself into the limelight, be you an actor or a sports person, that's part of the job. I don't like that that's part of the job, but before you get into the job, that's part of the job. It's like becoming a fireman and not liking the fires. Liking the calendars and the baby oil rubbed on you, but not liking the fires and, the, <laughs> you know, the the injuries and all the rest of it right you've got to put up with that aspect of it all and you, off, yeah. and you can't separate the two and similarly if you're a gm of a team you might not like the media and in fairness to him he still stood up there and did his part or whatever um, and i don't know some of the press conferences seemed a bit odd and i don't know whether he was doing it because he was kind of taking the mickey out of the people that were interviewing him and kind of think that now uh, but at the time i was like what is this um so i get it and i get the fact that he didn't like the media and even mark murphy said in his presser you know, Ted, of course, could have been here today and he made some joke about that. He kind of doesn't want to see us all. And then he was like, well, that was a joke. But, you know, and again, like fair play to Mark for trying to get up and do a comedy gig, right? And to make it lighthearted and stuff. And I really like that he did that. But it is part of the gig. But something that struck me, Andy, and I, w- I want your thoughts on that. And this is why bef- even in pre-prod, we kind of skirted around some stuff because I really wanted to get your reaction live is Adam Schefter came out and he had this whole thing. It was an article that said the Packers want a younger GM. I said, sort of thought to myself, first off, that's kind of ageist. So can you say <laughs> that, right? And again, I'm not, not that I want my, you know, my granddad in there, mostly because both my granddads are dead. So that'd be strange, right? But it's the fact that I was kind of looking at it and going, how can he say that they want a younger GM? Is that just because the internal candidates tend to be kind of on the young side here? Like Elliot Wolf, the obvious one. And then I thought to myself, like maybe that's true and not just because not because they're young but because they have energy and because maybe ted thompson had a way about him that kind of distracted from if you you were looking at the free agency market you wouldn't look to green bay is the place you want to go you know a la you know big reg here right so uh, what is it andy do you think that's do you think there's an element of truth in that that the packers are deliberately going young they're moving Ted Thompson into kind of a consultancy role is what Mark Murphy said, that he's going to assist the new GM. Is that the biggest telltale sign here that the Packers are going young, that Ted Thompson will be on hand to kind of coach them through the role, effectively learning on the job. And the reason that they're doing it is, is to change up the image in Green Bay from being a stuffy old man's place uh, to someone that you want to come and play exciting ball. Totally. So I, I wrote down two words image and attractive mm. so it, it is about image and if you think that some of the pictures of ted with his mouth sort of wide open <laughs> yeah. uh, it's it, you know we live in a world where that that you know one picture tells us how the words doesn't it yeah and um you know you look at pictures of ted from sort of 2008 versus pictures of him you know sort of parading around the sort of practice field today and it's he's it, it's been hard you know, it's been a hard 10 years for him, hasn't it? Um, the role's changed. I think the role's a lot bigger now than it was. Um, you know, and he said himself, hasn't he, that he enjoys the role of scouting. He enjoys the role of going and evaluating tape and players. Uh, and that's that's where his comfort level is. So let's put the guy in a position where he's comfortable and enjoys doing the job he does. Because, you know, he's not getting any younger, is he? You know, and I think that health does come into it, doesn't it? So any time that you push yourself into position and Murphy alluded to it where you're working seven days a week, 24 hours a day. That's not healthy for anyone, less alone someone who's, you know, getting towards an age of retirement, you know, so I just think it's the right thing all around. There's a little bit of compassion there. And I think the image is important for the Green Bay Packers because of who we are and how we're set up. We are different to the, the other 31 NFL teams. So we, we need to be a place that's attractive, that is considered to be a, a go-to place because of, the dynamics of the ball club. Um, so image is really important and it needs to be an attractive place to play. We talked about it sort of a few months ago, didn't we? That I thought that we'd gone the other way and I believe we did. Yeah. You know, you look at the success of the likes of Micah Hyde and Casey Hay would have gone on to have in other places and um, how pleased some of our existing players are that they've gone on to have that success says to me that they were disappointed that those guys left Um and I think that we need to to have a GM that relates to the current sort of crop of NFL players a little bit better. And that's part of it, I think. I think that's part of the reasons. And I think it's just, we could probably sort of list down 10 to 12 reasons why it's the right time and the right thing to do from, from both sides. I'm just glad it's happened now and it's done and dusted and Ted can get on 
doing what he does best, which is scouting college players. And we can get a GM in, hopefully. We've got the pick of pick of the NFL, really. And we've got our search squad in, apparently, who's going to sort of root out. <laughs> I've had four missed calls from a Wisconsin number. Yeah, maybe that's what it <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Um, Do you know what? I have you on the pod. I need to distract you a bit, right? Because I have my agent talking to them at the moment, and all. And I was sort of they said you're unavailable. I was like, I don't know what's talking about. Know what's <laughs> so yeah, uh, and I found that the um, that the Murphy presser was a bit like a game of uh, guess who. You know, like, yeah, that game you get at Christmas where they ask you, you know, yeah. does your does your guy have ginger hair? Does he have glasses on? Uh, you know, it was, you know. <laughs> Does he does he have to be from the the, the Ron Wolf tree of coaching? Um, you know, does he you know does he uh, have to have a scouting background? Or yeah. can, you know, so I have, it was quite it was quite enjoyable to watch not only for um, Murphy's jokes but the the game of guess who as well. So I had Elliot Wolf as my front runner going into the press conference, but mm. I came out thinking it's probably going to be uh, Russ Ball who'll get the job. There you go. Yeah. That's just my two penneth. Yeah, it's amazing. And uh, so, it was, man, most of those questions came from a little-known reporter called Bus Roll, which was strange. Uh, just asking the, oh, excuse me, please, uh, is someone named Bus Roll? Uh, so, yeah, it was an odd one, all right, that they kept sort of asking, what qualities does he need? What does, you know what I mean? You can tell your man down the back of the room, jotting down what he needs to say in the interview. It's an odd one, but here, this this another one that came out for me, Andy, and let me know if you agree with me on this one, right? So maybe I'm way off the mark here. There was an article that said that this job is the cream of the crop. This is the best job in the NFL. To get the GM for the Packers is great, and it's a plum. And the reason it's a plum is because that the Packers, the way they're set up with the structure, you know, community-owned or whatever, and that they don't have a rich owner. And because they don't have a rich owner, that's fantastic because they get more time. You know, they're kind of left to their own devices. They can do what they want. I would I would argue that that is complete balls, right? For the reason is, is that because we don't have a rich owner... And I know it might sound counterintuitive because we have given our recent guys an awful lot of time. You know, all the guys that we've had in there, like Mike McCarthy's gone back uh, since Jesus was a baby, the same as Ted Thompson, right? And I, I don't see that as that they've been given time to develop the team. I mean, 2008 was the last time we missed the playoffs. We've made the playoffs since. So it's not as if we had to sort of go, let the team develop. You know, it's kind of like we had that level of success early on. Now, you might argue that, yes, we got to the playoffs and we got dumped out or whatever. But we still got to the playoffs, which is kind of the aim. And then you might go on a hot streak, you might not. You might get knocked out by, like, famously got knocked out by the Giants inexplicably after that ridiculous, really good season or whatever. So anything can happen in the playoffs any given Sunday. And you can put that down to that sometimes or injuries or whatever. And there's always an excuse that can be in there. But we made the playoffs and we did well. I don't think that was us given Ted Thompson time or given Mike McCarthy time. I think they were good. We stuck with them because they were good and we like stability in Green Bay. I don't think for an instant, if you put a general manager in there who was making a balls of things and he said, I just need more time, that they'd go, oh, fine. Like, they, we don't have a rich owner, so we can't bail them out with just tons of money or whatever, you know, and, and hire all these people for, for colossal cash, uh, you know, to do the job for us. I think that we have to be very careful with, you know, our ticket sales. And you might go, that's ridiculous. We've been sold out since the 60s. But, you know, with how we travel and how many people buy merchandise and how conscious the Packers are of how much they sell out of the pro shop. That's all very important. And, you know, they've they credit uh, Bob Harlan for turning around the, the, you know, the stadium and putting in the conference centers and all the rest of that type of stuff. Right. So that's my point is, is that it's very important. The commercial success of the Packers, like every team, obviously, is very important, but more so because we don't have a rich owner to kind of bail us out for certain things. So do you like do you subscribe to that? That like yes it is a fantastic job because it's their beloved Packers and anybody would die to get a job in the NFL to begin with and the Packers more so than anything else but I surely don't think it's like a plum of a job just because we don't have a rich owner I think um, Murphy nearly choked on his uh, on his microphone when they mentioned salary cap didn't they because they talked about the use of free agency and would you like a more sort of um, would you like a GM that's more sort of inclined to, to go the free agency route and be a yeah. bigger player in that? And when he sort of responded, he, he did nearly choke when he mentioned, because we'd have to think about the salary cap and we'd have to think about the, the bigger picture. Yeah, you he know, said creativity that, so. as well, didn't he? Oh, they have to know that they're creative and they have to be resourceful. I mean, that's a telltale sign. The answer is, is no, yeah. don't go splashing about the place. Exactly, yeah. So the, there's a clear remit there, isn't there? The two things in our favour, isn't there? So you've got number 12 and, and a tremendous fan base. Those are the two things that squarely stand us head and shoulders above, you know, three quarters of the NFL world in terms of attractivity for me. But then you've got the other sort of nuances, I guess, are, are, are difficult, aren't they? Like you said, I don't think we 
we we use every penny as other teams would do. Um, I think there's been opportunities within those sort of last seven or eight years where maybe that one free agency splurge would have tipped us over the edge and, and made the difference come playoffs time. So that's where I would like someone with a bit a bit of brashness, um, yeah. someone with a bit of um, bit of an ego who's going to make decisions that they off gut instinct as opposed to what the sensible, you know calculated decision would be and take a bit of a chance I don't think that uh, apart from sort of the odd trade on draft day I don't think Ted Thompson's going to go down as the most risque of general managers is he no. um, so, so you'd like to I'd like to see a bit more sort of um, ballsy effort on the side of the GM for me in, in terms of a different style so yeah, that's, what, that's why I'd like to go and that's why I came away thinking from the press conference today thinking that Russ Ball with his background in sort of um, salary cap management and all mm. that was a, a big indication for me that that might be the direction that we're going in. Yeah, so if anybody does know who Russ Ball is, he's a finance guy at heart. So Ted came from sort of, a, obviously he was a player, uh, but that that's his sort of forte with scouting, whereas Russ Ball is a finance guy and he came in to negotiate the Packer players' contracts and all of the rest. So he'd have a completely different angle. He'd run it more so business-like. And I don't know whether that, that'd be a good thing or a bad thing, but they've touted four internal candidates in Russ Ball, uh, Alonzo Highsmith, Elliot Wolf, which is the one that everyone seems to want. Now, I don't know whether that's because of Ron or whether that's because of his own standing because, I again, I'm flabbergasted, Andy, as to how people know the ins and outs of what Elliot wants, how he thinks, how he's going to act when he gets a job or whatever. Now, obviously, there's rumours out there and there's no smoke without fire, maybe, in the sense that the Packers wanted to keep him around and they didn't seem, not they didn't seem too happy that he was interviewing elsewhere, but there was all these stories that they'd made a promise to him that if he stuck around that, you know, they were going to make it worth it. And then the final candidate is Brian Gutekunst. So, I don't know, Edit, before those, I know... Well, Highsmith is gone, hasn't he? So, Highsmith has gone to Cleveland today. He's gone so today he's, to Cleveland. It's it's a done deal, is it? Yeah, I think Dorsey's um, not even going to interview him by all accounts. So I think that they're good friends, aren't they? So I would imagine that that's a big loss because he was a respected talent evaluator, wasn't he? And he, he brought to the table the likes of Sam Shields and Donald Driver and, and he covered the Southwest, didn't he? And um, he's did a great job for us. But I think he was, I don't think he was ever a serious contender in terms of GM, but it, it'll be a big loss all the same. Yeah. Yeah, because the last I was heard was that they'd allowed him go. So you think that's a done deal then by the time this part yeah, probably yeah, comes th- out, he's gone, yeah? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think you can sort of say, and I don't think he'll be the uh, the last either. I think that maybe it's one or two make the same trip across to Cleveland as well, given given John Dorsey's connections. And particularly if we do, if we did go external, where does that leave the likes of Elliot Wolf, Russ Ball? You know, how do they then feel about a new GM coming in when they've been potentially made promises to so I think that it's a difficult situation isn't it so I don't imagine that Highsmith will be the last person to to make the trip over to Cleveland no especially if they go external but even if they go internal I mean if Russ Ball gets the job I don't expect Elliot Wolf to hang around I reckon he's young enough because exactly. I mean, yeah. we have seen that revolution in the NFL though haven't we and I mean Sean McVay going uh, to the Rams and becoming a coach there he's 31 years of age 32 in January I mean just eye-wateringly young embarrassingly so it makes me sort of a uh, you know, I want to vomit on my desk. So, you know, maybe it is a young man's game to a certain degree in certain areas. Now, whether that's coaching, whether that's being a GM, maybe that bodes well. If you're a bit younger, you you know, you're more resourceful. You understand, you know, the clients, the players better. Who knows? So if they go for Russ Ball, you'd expect the rest to leave. If they go Elliot Wolf, the telltale sign might be that, you know, Ted sticks around and kind of handholds him to a degree, maybe. And then there's all these external candidates that they're saying, but I again, I don't think they're realistic. Reggie McKenzie and John Schneider, both of those with the Seahawks and Raiders, you know, they're under contract. I think Schneider got a deal till 2021 or something like that. It's ages in the future anyway. I think he only signed that last year. Maybe, mm-hmm. now, again, this is from memory of the last time we were sort of looking through candidates. Um, so his initial contract with Seattle, he had a get-out clause. So with the first contract he signed, he could have come back to Green Bay as GM if we came knocking. The second contract he signed does not include the, the get-out clause. So we'd have to sort of pony up if he wanted Schneider. Have to trade I, for him, yeah. I can't imagine we'd give up anything for a GM and we've got, you mm. know, candidates sitting on the bench. I just don't see that happening this time, I've heard. No, you'd, you, I mean, they'd really want to believe in his calibre and think that he's going to do something very specific. Now, not that Mark Murphy would have said that in the in the presser no. that, you know, oh, this is what we need our, our GM to do. And he said he was going to leave the decisions up to him. So 
I don't think that's the case. It's not the place of someone to say, we want you to exactly replicate what you've done with the Seahawks here, no. um, as tempting as that would be. But the final thing really that I took from Mark Murphy's presser was, is that they said to him, first, the whole thing of Mar- uh, McCarthy came up and they said about about Mike, they were like, you know, is, is he going to be the coach? You know, will you let the GM decide? Um, if if they want to keep McCarthy around or or what's going to happen after his contract or whatever, you know, of course they're capable of letting him go before. But like, they asked him about it, like, is that his decision? And he went, yeah, of course. I mean, that's that's the GM's decision as to as to what they want to do. But and the same breath, he said that you know McCarthy got an extra one year deal, which brings him into 2019, and also <laughs> along the lines of Mike is our man, <laughs> kind of like he is our coach and he will be our coach. So I don't know what kind of option that gives the new GM to sort of stroll in the door and go. Uh, so head coach is that up for uh, discussion it's like well it is but he's our man and will be our man always our man don't you touch him you know and it's just odd as well that if they've had this discussion uh, Murphy and Ted Thompson about him potentially leaving in the near future and they've kept all these young guns around and all these internal candidates it's a bit odd that they let Ted Thompson extend McCarthy's contract for another year during the season knowing that this was coming down the line does that not strike you as a bit odd no, it just struck me that that's why Russ Ball's my favourite because Russ Ball and Mike McCarthy have a, have a strong relationship doing this. So the only way I could see that being put in place as a bit of a ruse was that um, Russ Ball's been the guy that they're going to, is their number one preferred choice. Now, maybe something in the interview process will kick in that changes their direction. But um, I would imagine going into it that, that he's now the number one choice based on the fact that McCarthy was given the year extension probably sort of November time so yeah that would be my that's how I'm piecing it together at the moment but Andy is there not a danger that if we're promoting from within that we're going to get some more of the same uh, yeah potentially yeah but I just think that we'll be a little bit more uh, aggressive I think that they can see um, how we've been in the past what's worked and potentially where opportunities have been that we haven't sort of taken them whether that be on draft day or whether it's through free agency. So I, I do think that we will, um, I don't know, I, I would I would like to see a scenario whereby the, uh, Elliot Wolf is given carte blanche to sort of use free agency during the course of the season to, to plug gaps, to sort of raid other teams' rosters when, when needs be and all that sort of stuff. And that sort of rust ball is just the, the guy at the front of the sledge doing the steering. Yeah, that's how I would like to see it. If that's if we can sort of work out in this new sort of um, formation that they're sort of talking about, which is going to be the same but different, then that's what I would like to see. That would be my preferred sort of choice. I don't see anybody out there um, externally that I'm sort of overly excited about. So um, I'd, I'm more than happy to use those two guys. I'd like to be able to keep both if possible, um, but how it, how it can be done then it be, remains to be seen. Yeah, and that's one of the questions, again, that they asked Murphy was, they said, look, we hear all of this stuff about job sharing, is that possible? And I think that's what they were kind of alluding to, you know, would you have kind of a figurehead no. and then people behind the scene? And he came out and said, no, he sees it going kind of the traditional way, which, you know. Yeah, you've got to, you've got to, it doesn't work, does it? You can't have, the, it's got to be the one guy making decisions at the end of the day, you know, because yeah. there'll be people in the, the room who all have their own opinions and ultimately it's a, uh, it's a GM who needs to stand up and make that decision, isn't it? So... I need that to happen. I think Russ Ball's a strong enough character to make that happen. Yeah. I don't I don't think it would work the other way around. I don't mm-hmm. think with, with Elliot Wolf in charge, potentially the other guys would sort of sit around and and sort of uh listen to him bark in the orders. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I think that potentially that, that it could work with sort of Elliot as a strong number two uh, yeah. going into the future. Well, look, it's exciting. Who needs the playoffs when we have this type of... Uh, playoffs? Playoffs. <laughs> playoffs. <laughs> this, these musical chairs that's going on in Green Bay. So that's the podcast. It's great to be back. It's great to have you back on, Andy. Um, so what we'll do is, is because it's the off-season effectively now for us, even though, you know, the, the news is coming in fast and loose, is that the podcast is once a week for everyone listening. And also a bit of a side project that I have going on is that... Um, BetBright, the betting company, have asked me to give them some content. They've just heard how fantastic we are here at UK Packers and they've wanted me to give sort of general NFL coverage. So I'm doing a review article called The Good, The Bad and The Ugly throughout the playoffs and I'm going to do a vlog. I'm doing a vlog, Andy. Do you believe that? Yeah, vlog, yeah. And I've been looking at like YouTubers and vlog people and all of these things to try to get the whole vlog thing down. And I have like 
you know tripod set up in the in the room I'm, i've have gimbals i'm going around with gimbals and i'm recording time lapses i'm trying to become an expert in premiere pro and how does the missus feel about all this in the bedroom is she pleased with that <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> All right, I, I think so. I think some of our family members listen to this podcast, so I'm going to keep this very vanilla. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was a slip of the tongue there for a second, but then I didn't want to get into talking about slip of the tongue. So, um, yeah, I gotta, I'm gonna, we're gonna park go that back, there. Go back to tripods. Let's go back to tripods. Back to tripods. Joey Tribbiani style. So, yeah, I'm gonna do this stuff for Bet Bright. So it's on the Bet Bright blog. It's gonna be retweeted from my personal account and from the UK Packers account. If anybody wants to read it, uh, it'd be great if you could go on, uh, have a read, and let me know what you think, and also the vlog. And how I'm going to set that up and all of my camera and editing skills. Uh, so that's kind of exciting. It's a nice little side project. And look, it's something to do since we're in the off season now already. Podcast uh, one day a week. And we've really exciting stuff coming up um, to do with the UK Packers. So do stay tuned to ukpackers.co.uk. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. Just search at UK Packers. Get onto Facebook. You guessed it. At UK Packers. Get into the closed group, which is on the at UK Packers Facebook group. It's all fun stuff. So from myself, at NFL on Twitter, from the group, at UK Packers, from me old buddy, me old pal, at Pooley Shrew, Andy Davies, it's goodbye for this week. Goodbye, mate. It's been a blast.